Welcome to the Old School Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. We will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Hi, everyone. My name's Adele. I'm a compulsive eater and bulimic and a full-spectrum food addict, although I heavily weigh on the uh, the eating side. I was never that into the not eating side. Um, and I am so grateful to be here. It's Groundhog's Day. Before I came to Overeaters Anonymous, every day was Groundhog's Day. I would wake up. I would wake up with a food hangover or a hangover from binging and purging. And I would think, maybe today's going to be different for about five minutes. And then I was off because today was never different. And um, the most important thing that I can tell you is that it doesn't matter my body size. It doesn't matter um, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm not hungry on a particular moment. It doesn't matter my health condition. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I have the mind of a compulsive overeater, and that will not change. Um, that I cannot recover from, but I can recover from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body called compulsive overeating or whatever of the eating disorders one might attribute themselves to, um, one day at a time with the 12 steps and all of you. And I was expecting like seven people <laughs> for the first meeting. I was so, a little nervous and very excited and so thrilled to be with you, especially because I know so many of you have long-term abstinence, much longer than I. My um, abstinence date is uh, November 5th, 1995, and uh, I had stopped in James. I had not pur- been to purge since the summer, but I had also uh been in a relapse for somewhere between three and four years and I wasn't counting because I was so despairing of that. I counted and binged, I counted and binged and so I just stopped. But if something happened to me on November fifth, which I know today is a surrender, a deep, deep surrender, that no matter how bad things got and I was in the hospital and I was uh very ill. No matter how the bad things got uh, uh, that first compulsive bite and the second one or whatever else I was doing would not make it better. Um, so that's, uh, that's my date and that is one of, that's the most precious date to me. Why do I keep, but why do I keep abstinence today? Because if I am not abstinent, everything else in my life goes out the window. If I want to pick up that first compulsive bite, I need to put down the keys to my house keys to my car, the relationship with my husband, the relationship with all of you, and I will trade that for the piece of whatever's wrapped in cellophane. And uh, one day at a time, I'm just not willing to do that today. So I will tell you that I also have alcoholism, and I'm, I'm mentioning that because it plays into my story with food. Um, I ate to be with me, and I drank to be with you. And that's the best way I can articulate why I drank. Uh, I was a, I had no social skills, nor did I want them. 
I didn't really like people. I found them quite irritating, kind of like ants. And um, they disturbed me from my thinking, which was my primary purpose. <laughs> and so, um, and so I needed a lubricant. And uh, what I want to say about that is, is that a couple things. First of all, the pretense, and especially in my in my bulimia, which was, uh, I'm of the hopeless, helpless variety. I was sent to the Carl Jung of the day for eating disorders. I'm the Bill Wilson in this group, and perhaps there are others of you. But if someone like me can recover, anybody can recover. That's what I absolutely know. And um, if it can be 25 years, that is just so beyond the pale because at the end of my compulsive eating, there were Costco was the only place I could go because it was the only place where I could buy food in the bulk I needed and the bulk I, I had to have. Um, my last Easter, I, I remember very clearly uh, spending $380 on, on uh, the things they have in places who sell things for Easter. Um, and that was half price, half price. So, um, and it was gone in less than a week. So that's who you're talking to, <laughs> or who you're listening to. Please, please understand. Um, and that, and I don't have a typical story. And so this is a uh, an old school milling uh, meeting, but I don't have a typical story. So I was, I just don't believe I was born a compulsive overeater. I never even thought of it as a kid. I was a skinny kid, and and I was not much into food, and I didn't think about it. When it was there, I ate. I'd prefer an apple over a piece of candy, but I'd take a piece of candy if it was there, but I didn't think about it. And what I was born with was a peculiar mental twist, and that was this ruminating thinking that was not like some of my, my fellows. I felt like an alien in the world. And um, I preferred to be alone. Alone didn't hurt. Life just hurt. Everything hurt. Everything was too bright, too loud, too much. And I just wanted this. That's what I wanted. That's all I wanted. I didn't want the party. I didn't want all of you. I wanted I just wanted the world to take that ten notches down, and the way I, I did that in my uh, in my youth was uh, I read and I hid. I used to hide all the time and just hide away from other people just just for sensory quieting. I realize now that I, that I have a, a sensory uh, disorder, and and I was trying to find something to bring it down, and I wasn't. I didn't know that was the case, and and uh, I made the best choice I could, which was very, very poor. Um, I started learning about compulsive overeating when, when my mom married an alcoholic and compulsive overeater, and there was a family filled with, with alcoholics and compulsive overeating. I had never seen it or learned about it. I watched it for a long time, and my stepbrothers and sisters, she married an alcoholic and compulsive overeater with seven children and a wife in the mental hospital for alcoholism. So you 
can see what I, and I was an only child, or I was the only one with her. So I was brought into this maelstrom, this crazy house, and, um, and I, and I saw what it looked like, what compulsive overeating looked like. It looks like you take out, in those days, um, a certain frozen dessert came in boxes, not other kinds of containers. So the way you ate that in the house of my origin was you got a big knife, you cut it in half, and that was two servings. And I'm serious. A big bowl and two servings. And so that's, that's how I learned about food and compulsive overeating. But it was, I, I was 16 when it hit me. And here's what happened. We had a, a number of stores and, uh, and restaurants, and one of them was an ice cream store, which I ran. I was 15 years old. Um, it was in the ghetto, and I mean, it, there were hookers on the street. And I was left there. We closed at 10 p.m. all day long from, from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., and no one had ever thought to pack me lunch. And so I used to walk down this really dark, really scary street and get a little bit to eat, but otherwise, it was ice cream. And so it, it started appearing on my body, and I was uncomfortable with that. So my decision to what to do about that was to stop eating. And I did that for as long as I could. <laughs> and then I binged for the first time. And I was a pickle like this. I was just waiting for something. See, what had happened was when I was 13, I had my first drink, and I went into blackouts with that. And after three just horrific experiences, I realized that I could not maintain my position in that family. And the only slot that was left when I got there was good girl. That was it. The rest were taken. And so I said good girl. And I could not do good girl and drink. This I was clear about. So I decided not to drink till I graduated high, from high school. And I didn't. But guess what? I could eat and do those things. In fact, I could eat and do them better at first. And so that's what I did. And um, I would like to say that because of dual addiction, this is what I've observed in my own life and in, in those around me. It's like an old-fashioned drug scale. Do you remember those? Both sides, you put the drugs in. Okay, so you put eating disorder, bulimia, for me. It was just down to bulimia. And I'm a 600-pound woman who's a bigger liar than a person who weighs 600 pounds. That's the difference between me and a compulsive overeater who's not bulimic, in my opinion. <laughs> um, the other side, alcohol. So you take the food off without addressing one. What happens to the other? I've watched thousands of people. Gain, gain 100 pounds in alcoholics in the next 31 years or conversely start throwing up or, or starving or whatever it looks like. And it goes under the radar because we're so polite. We don't do that. And we shove sugar at everyone in AA, which I think is, uh, malpractice at this point in our history. Um, but, uh, so that's what happened to me. I turned into uh, a pickle, and I was off and running. At the height of of my uh, bulimia, I was throwing up at probably 20 times a day. And um, 
and I had at the end a hundred dollar a day habit, and that was in 1989 when I first came into Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I came into Overeaters Anonymous at 30, not because I uh, was afraid of dying. Uh, I realized I was going to live. I thought I'd be dead by 30. And when I realized I was going to live, I got really scared because I knew I was going to live the way I was feeling, the way inside. And that was more than I could bear. And that's what got me, part of what got me into the room. The other part was I was seeing a therapist. I was already abstaining when I came to OA. I had about 30 days, I think. Maybe. I had a, a, a small amount of time, which was huge for me. And my therapist informed me that he would not work with me unless I went to Overeaters Anonymous. I was terrified to go. I was afraid I'd catch fat. And uh, <laughs> I was terrified. And uh, But I was more terrified of him not seeing me again. And so I went to OA. And I went to my first meeting. Some of you were here. And uh, I walked in, I listened, and I could not believe that people were talking about what I did with food. I mean, I could uh, rail you with stories, but let me give you a couple of them. And that, was that me? I have five minutes? Oh, wow. I have no sense of time whatsoever. Well, uh, I won't regale you with those stories. I'll talk about apps. When I, when I came in, there were three foods I could eat without uh, throwing up, and that's where my first sponsor met me. She met me right where I was. She didn't give – I didn't do a food plan. I didn't do the gray sheet. I couldn't have. I would have left. So she started with me where I was. She had to come over to my house. I was 31 years old. I was a college administrator, and I was holding a chicken in one hand, and a bag of carrots in the other, and I was weeping on the phone with her because I did not know how to cook it and not eat it all. And she taught me how to cut the chicken, freeze it, put it away, <laughs> take five carrots out, and have a meal. That's what I do. I could, I could run a big program at a college. I could have 250 employees. But when it came to food, I did not know what to do. And you guys had to show me what to do. And she helped me um, tremendously. My current sponsor has been my sponsor for around 27 years, and I'm so blessed, has worked with me through many, many food plans. Um, I've had to change plans for health reasons, for reasons where things just stopped working. Um, in abstinence, I'll tell you one story. There was a place that uh, served a frozen dessert that did not have sugar in it. And there were coupons in the local uh, newspaper, a throwaway. And what I would do is I would copy the coupons. You would get two for one. And I would go in there, and I would give them the copied coupons. And they knew I had copied them. And I knew I had copied them. And I knew they knew. And I couldn't stop doing it. Because I am a compulsive overeater. And that stopped working for me. That stopped working for me. And so that, that also fell away. But not all at once. And I have to tell you, those of you who are new, stay, stay really, really close to us. 
I was terrified about food. My first trip, I went to Washington uh, on year one, and half of my suitcase was filled with food. I was afraid they didn't have grocery stores in Washington, D.C. And guess what? Our hotel was on top of one. <laughs> but it was okay because when I travel, I still travel with dried food because I've been in countless situations without it. And I don't live like that anymore. I don't care what anybody thinks. Um, today, I got just before here because I was on the Internet, and there's this, there's this new weight loss thing. And I don't know if the pop-up ads are coming up for you, but they come up every other minute for me. And it's just, I won't even name it. But all these people come on, and perhaps they're normal. They say, I didn't understand why I ate the way I did, and now I do. And I will tell you one thing. Self-knowledge does not avail me nothing. Self-knowledge makes me hungry. And if I don't have the 12 steps to deal with, and all of you in the fellowship to deal with that, then I'm going to eat. And so today my abstinence is that I don't undereat on purpose. I, I've had, uh, a great, I've had a great deal of, uh, problems with illness and I've, I've had problems with, with, uh, disabling nausea. And so I, I do the best I can on days like that, but I don't do it on purpose. And I don't overeat, venture throw up. And, um, and to, you know, I have overeaten over all these 31 years. I haven't meant to, but I have. I've eaten until I was uncomfortable and had to sit with it. But what happened in my first times was my sponsor took away all my excuses for overeating. She, she said there are no abstinent foods out. There are only abstinent meals. And she just one by one flipped those excuses for me to have to just say, oh, and I'm sorry, Chris Wary, but fuck it. That's the word that comes for me right before I take that first compulsive bite. And I will tell you that once that, that switch has happened in my mind, there is nothing that can get between me and whatever. Ain't nothing. I don't care if I'm too sick to hardly walk. I will crawl. And so I know that that still exists in me. So I stay close, and I stay close with my with my sponsor, who I'm so very grateful for. Um, I'll I'll end on this. Abstinence feels better than anything can possibly taste, and it doesn't matter what end of the spectrum of the of the food addict spectrum I am on. The disease of compulsive overeating resides in my mind. And it is it is when I default to this self-reliance that I'm in peril. And today I'm just so grateful. I am so thrilled to be your launch speaker when so many more are <laughs> more qualified. Um, but I am uh, I'm just thrilled to be here. Thank you so